That was great. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Let's go into prayer. Holy Father, I just thank you, thank you, thank you that when we do call on your name, you come, you are here. We thank you for your anointing tonight, God, and thank you for your presence. We give you all the honor and all the glory, God. We thank you for your blood and that when we plead your blood, Satan cannot come. Thank you, Lord, for the power that you give us that is inside of us, your power, Lord. We thank you. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, God. Okay, I'm going to give a little testimony. I didn't get up a while ago because I thought, okay, I'll get up in a minute and give it. So, um, I had jury duty this week. Yay, jury duty. Well, what's funny, y'all know Kathy O'Neill. She and I were both in the 300 numbers together. So we got called and had jury duty together. Is that not, that is just an act of God. I don't know. I mean, she brought, he brought this lady into my life a long time ago and she works in my classroom every day, three days a week at least volunteering and then we're in jury duty together imagine that so so we could talk and we were there and we entertained each other and a lot of you may know that when you go to court there's that concrete long bench and by the windows and we were sitting there talking and then I just started just having these visions of when I was there I went through a horrible divorce and I had a private investigator, and he, I had all this information, and I was going to court. We were going to court. He wouldn't settle. He wouldn't relent on anything. So, okay, we'll go to court. So we get to court, and I remember sitting on those concrete benches and just, I don't know how to explain it. Helplessness. I could not imagine that I was there, that my husband the person I had put all my hope and everything in was had done this, and we were in this position. And, and so I remember the attorneys in the hallway going back and forth and back and forth and going into the courtroom and the judge sitting up there. And, oh, here was this tiny little girl from Hazelhurst, Georgia, country hick town. And I was in this courtroom and all these powerful people, and I was like, what am I? You know, I was just, I just, it was weird. But we, he settled. We didn't go to court. He and my attorney, his attorney, my attorney talked. He gave me everything I wanted. We walked out. I didn't have to have the case. But I did have to go into that courtroom and sit at the table and stand before the judge. And he said, you have to speak it. You have to read this. You have to tell me that you want the divorce. So little me was standing in that courtroom and I remember I was shaking from my toes to my head and I could not speak. And I was crying. I wasn't like, ah! But you know when you're just crying and you can't control it, it's just tears are pouring out of your eyes. And I stood there and I said, yes, your honor, I am divorcing this man. And I could not believe those words were coming out of my mouth. But my testimony is... When I was sitting there, God told me, I had you in my hands. I was covering you. You were protected. So thank you, God. 
thank you that I can get up here and give my testimony and that you, I give you all the glory, God. And I remember the first time I got up and gave my first testimony. Mm-hmm. Lee had to hold me up and I was crying and I was shaking. I cannot talk in front of people. I am a first grade teacher and I can talk to children all day long. But put me in front of a group of people, adults. The first time I got up here, my voice would, I don't know what I said. So this, me being up here on a Saturday night and not freaking out, that's another testimony. So praise God. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Okay, I have a message. And 10 days ago when I was told I was going to have to teach tonight on a Saturday night, not to mention there were so many things in that week, my anniversary, to the man that God brought into my life. There's another testimony. Anniversary, nine wonderful years, praise God. Um, I started praying, I started praying, I started praying. I'd spend hours and just praying and asking God, what am I supposed to teach on? What am I supposed to teach on? And I'd open my Bible and I'd think, okay, I'm going to teach on this. I'm going to teach on this. And nothing would come. I'd get my iPod out and I'd Google stuff and I'd Google stuff and nope, nothing. I thought, okay, well, tomorrow something will come. And then the next day, nothing would come. And the next day, nothing would come. And I heard God say, you gave a message before with the, about the body. Give it again. There were three, four people here that Wednesday night that I gave it. Kendrick, Sharice, and Weta. There may have been somebody else, I don't know, but they've heard it. Sharice is here, yay! So God said, okay get it out again and I was like okay well I'll change it up and I'll so I studied and I studied the scriptures and I studied everything I talked about and I tried to change it up and nope so this is it here we go okay my message is what is the body we each have a body But in the Bible, it discusses another type of body, the body of Christ. So let's get into what is a body. We're going to start in 1 Corinthians 12, 12. 1 Corinthians 12, 12. For as the body is one and has many members, But all the members of that one body, being many, are one body. So also is Christ. Well, our body has many members in it. We have many organs. We have our lungs, our heart. We have our mind. We have the veins. Can you imagine that? Everything inside of us, God created to work together each of them individually in their own job, but working together to run this body, to move this body, to make us breathe and speak. Well, Christ's body is also like our body. It has many parts. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 12, 18 through 20. But as it is, God has placed and arranged the limbs and organs in the body, 
each particular one of them just as he wished and saw fit and with the best adaptation. It functions perfectly. He placed them all there for a reason. They all fit inside this little compartment and work. But if the whole were all a single organ, where would the body be? And now there are certainly many limbs and organs, but a single body, one body. What happens when an organ doesn't work correctly? Let's say your heart quits working. You can get a transplant. So there's an organ. There is something that didn't work right. You get rid of it and get a new one so that the body can function because there has to be something in every spot. Or if you don't get it replaced, if it's not working, sometimes you die. So that body died. All must work and work together to live and to function. To breathe. If one of our organs is suffering, our whole body suffers. Yet when all are healthy and nutritious, we thrive. When everything is working perfectly, when everything's doing what it's supposed to do, when the liver is working, the lungs are working, the heart is working, the veins are working, you thrive. Your body works. Just as this human body functions, we each have a part in Christ's body. If you are drawn here to this ministry, then this is your body. Each of us with our own job as the human organs to make one whole body of Christ. That's what we are here, a body of Christ. We each have our place in the body, and each of us needs the other. Just as I need my heart and my lung for my body to function, I need Zinni and Lee and Weta and all of you to be doing your job for our bodies to function. God brought us here. You were drawn here. He brought us here to be a part of something greater, something we can't even imagine or fathom. Nothing we could ever do alone. So let's, I'm going to give an example of this, and I have a lot of examples tonight because I am a first grade teacher, so I like hands-on and visuals and explanations. So here we go. Think of a plant. A plant grows, it's alive, it has roots, it has stems, it has leaves, it has a flower, it has fruit. It has different parts like we do, doesn't it? So a plant is kind of a body. Well, I teach this in my classroom, and you might not know all this about a plant. You might not ever think about it, but a plant has roots. The roots go down into the ground. Why does a plant have roots? What does it do? Well, it soaks up. It absorbs the nutrients, the water. It's absorbing. It's absorbing, and that's all it does. It holds the plant in the ground so that when the wind comes or whatever, it goes nowhere. The roots are holding it. It has a job. That is the root's job. If it's not sucking up the nutrients, if there are no nutrients in the soil, it's not sucking them up, the plant will die. Then there's the stem. Well, what purpose is the stem? The stem holds the plant up. 
It's the strength of the plant. It holds it up. And it also gets those nutrients from the roots and carries it to the leaves and to the flower. It communicates with each part. It works with the other parts. It carries what is there that it needs to live, to function. Then there's the leaves. You think the leaves had a a purpose? Well, I never knew this growing up. The leaves make the food for the plant. plant has to eat. Did you know that? Well, it does. So the leaves sit there and the sun shines on them and they take that sun and they take the nutrients from the roots that the stem has carried up to the leaves and they make food for that plant and they feed the plant. They give it the nutrients. They keep it alive. They have a job. And then there's the flower. The flower sits up there and it's pretty. And that's all it does, right? No, that's not all. It makes the seed. Every plant has a seed. And the seed's job and the flower, they make more seeds and they reproduce. They reproduce. When the plant is all working and functioning and working together, it reproduces. If one of them is not doing their job, it doesn't reproduce and it dies. So they all have to be doing their job to reproduce. Each part of that plant needs the other. They can't do their part without the other part. If the roots are cut off, the stem can't carry the nutrients. If the leaves are all torn off, the plant can't survive because there's no food. And if the seeds aren't producing, there will be no more plants. So that's like our human body. And that's like our body here in Christ. We all have a part. The water is absorbed in the roots. Stem holds it up. The leaves produce. The plant produces seeds. It's a continuous cycle. Well, as a body, what is our part? You heard all the parts of the plant and what their parts were and what they did. That's all they do. They don't ever change. But we have a part of a body. What is our part in the body of Christ? Why am I here? Do I have a part? Let's look at Acts. The book of Acts. Let's go to Acts 1-2. Until the day when he ascended, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had instructed and commanded the apostles, the special messengers, whom he had chosen... So the Holy Spirit, not yet time, the Holy Spirit instructed after he, who through the Holy Spirit, so God was instructing through the Holy Spirit to who? The apostles. He was instructing the apostles whom who had chosen? He had chosen. God sent Jesus to instruct and command the apostles. Jesus sat down with them and told them everything. He showed them everything. He demonstrated everything whom he had chosen. He did not just go out and say, okay, you 12 people right there. Come here. You're going to be my disciples. This is going to be easy. Come on. No. He walked around and chose different 
people from different groups. He went to them and said, follow me, lay down your life and follow me. And they did. He had gone around and chosen each one. If you're here, you're chosen. You walked in this building for God's purpose. It wasn't something you just thought, hmm, I think I'll walk over there one day. You were called here. You were unctioned here. Let's look at Acts 1-3. To them also he showed himself alive after his passion, his suffering in the garden and on the cross by a series of many convincing demonstrations, unquestionable evidences and infallible proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and talking to them about the things of the kingdom of God. So he stayed there with them. He talked to them. He told them his stories. He showed them convincing demonstrations for 40 days, talking to them about the things of the kingdom of God. Jesus taught them about the kingdom of God. He talked, showed, and demonstrated how powerful his God, his Father was. Let's look at Acts 1.4. And while being in their company and eating with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, of which he said, you have heard me speak. He commanded them not to leave, but to wait for what the Father had promised. Sit here with me. Listen to me. Don't leave. Stay here. Wait. Wait for what? What the Father had promised. Well, what is that? What did the Father promise them was coming? The Holy Spirit. Jesus commanded them not to leave, but wait for what the Father had promised, the Holy Spirit. Look at John 4, 16 and 17. John, 4, 6, John 14, 16 and 17. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter, counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and standby that he may remain with you forever. Does that mean just while Jesus was still there? No, forever. Does he go away? No, he's here forever with us. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, welcome, take to its heart, because it does not see him or know and recognize him, but you know and recognize him, for he lives with you constantly and will be in you. If you have the Holy Spirit living in you, you know it. You hear him, you feel him, you know he is there. So God will send the Holy Spirit to be with you forever. He's always there. You can always count on him to be there. So let's review what we just talked about. As a body, what is our part? Well, first of all, especially here in this body at KLM, number one, instruct, 
instruct and command. Does our apostle instruct and command us? He gives us instruction. Sometimes he gives us commands. Yes. Two, we have to choose. No, sorry. We were the chosen. We are the chosen. We receive instruction. We are the chosen. We are here. Why are we here? We were chosen by God. He brought us here. He led us here to be instructed. And then what are we doing for number three? Wait for the Father to spend the whole to send the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit, but we wait on the Holy Spirit. We're receiving instruction right now. We are here. We are called. We are receiving instruction. And we are waiting for the Holy Spirit, for God to tell us what's coming next. All right, let's um, look at Acts 1.8. But you shall receive power, ability, efficiency, and might when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judah and Samaria and to the ends, the very bounds of the earth. Well, he taught on this one time, and it really hit me. It really stuck with me. Be my witnesses. Be my witnesses. The Holy Spirit will come. You will receive his power. And you will be his witnesses. What he does, others will see through you. It's not you going out and trying to impress people. What the Holy Spirit is doing inside of you, others will see it, and that way you are being his witnesses. You're not just going out and talking about how wonderful your God is. They will see it. They will see it in how you walk, how you talk, your character. They will see his light shining through you. An example of being my witness. Instead of just telling people, okay, you have cancer. Okay, I'm so sorry, but God's going to heal you. It says in the Bible, God's going to heal you. I am being God's witness because I had breast cancer. I was told it's cancer. It's not fun to hear. Well, through that cancer, I went into deep depression, sickness, all kinds of illnesses. My parents had to move in with me and take care of me. I got so depressed. I wanted to kill myself. I told my father, get rid of the gun. I hear Satan telling me to put it to my head. Take it. You talk about depressed, I was depressed. But I got through it. God brought me through it. He healed me. I put Satan under my feet, and I kept claiming the word of God. So that is my testimony. Well, to be his witnesses, I have to go out and tell that testimony. I can't just walk around and, oh, I'm sorry you have cancer. God's going to heal you. I have to be his witness. But when, when he unctions me, when he unctions me to speak, I have to. You have to obey. Well, one day I was in this little store. It's a precious little Holy Spirit-filled store. And my mom was with me, and we were shopping and looking around, and this lady ran in the door to the owner and she said oh I'm in a hurry I'm on my lunch break I only have one hour and I need to get for this and I need to get for that 
And then they started talking, and it was a small store, so I could hear everything she was saying. And she said, oh, and by the way, I've been diagnosed with breast cancer. It hit me. And she started talking about, oh, poor me. You know, I, you know, I could tell. They were Christians, by the way. They were talking. And she was still, you know, they've told me all of these different things I can do. I've got so many choices to make. I just don't know what I'm going to do. I've got my business, and my business can't function without me. I am just so scared. Everything's going to fall apart. What did she just say? When she said it, it hurt me. She said, I have so much fear. She had fear, but she was a Christian. So I walked around the store, and I kept listening, and I called, oh, Lord, and I just knew I was fixing to have to say something. I thought, here it comes. So we met up at the cash register at the same time, and I said, excuse me, ma'am, I wasn't eavesdropping, but I heard you were diagnosed with breast cancer. And she said, yes, I was. Yes, I have a lot of decisions I have to make. And I looked at her, and I said, well, I am a breast cancer survivor. I have been there. And she just turned to me and just started pouring out to me all these questions, everything she didn't understand, everything the doctors don't tell you. She just questions, questions. And I had every answer she needed. I could tell her what was going to happen when they gave her this and what was going to happen. Yeah, they say this is best for you, but let me tell you what that does. And she just started shaking from the tip of her toes. And she just started crying and saying, oh, my gosh, God has sent you here today. And I started telling her that she cannot fear, that fear is from Satan. And she has to put that under her feet. And that if God brought her to this cancer, he's going to bring you through it. Stand on his word. I said, look at me. I am a being a witness because I survived it and God brought me through it. So we wrapped it up and she went on her way. But that is an example of being his witness. Don't just tell people, it's fine, you're going to be okay. You have testimonies that you've been through. You have trials that you have been through for a purpose. So when you feel that Holy Spirit inside of you unction you, you better open your mouth and be his witness. Not only by opening your mouth, but your actions as well. Okay, let's look at Acts 1. We're not going to look at this. This is way too long. But in Acts 1, 16 through 26, it tells of how Judas died and the apostles knew that part of the body was missing. God had gone out and chosen the disciples, the body of Christ. But one was gone now. So the disciples went to God and said, hey, We have a part missing. What are we going to do? He needs to be replaced. Judas chose not to be a part of the body. And there's many debates over that, whether it was God's purpose, so that what happened could happen, whether it was Judas desiring the money, Judas desiring the power, whatever it was, Judas allowed Satan to control his thoughts. Don't you think that Satan tempted the other disciples too? Judas was not the only disciple that was tempted by Satan. Judas just happened to be the only disciple that went through and let go of that power. 
All right, Carrie, you want to come hold the microphone for me for a second? I get this at home. Okay. This balloon represents our soul, the functions of the soul in our mind, the intellect, the will, the emotions, the affections. We all have a soul. We all receive the word of God. We come in here, we listen to instruction. And instruction does what? It goes into our soul, right? I don't want to miss it. So when we receive the word of God, it comes into our soul. We sit in here, we hear a message. Wow, that was some good teaching, Lee. Wonderful teaching. Gene, oh my gosh, God really downloaded some stuff into Gene. This is amazing teaching. And what do we do? We go home and we think, okay, I'm, I'm really going to meditate on that. I've got to study more of that. And what happens? We get busy. Oh, it's my anniversary. We're going out tonight. Oh, it's Tommy's birthday. I've got to go to that. Oh, that new show I wanted to see is on. Oh, you want to go to a movie? Yeah, I'll go to a movie. And before you know it, the week is gone. The laundry needs doing. The house needs cleaning. The week is gone. And what happens to that word that God was training to, trying to plant into your soul? It comes out. And the balloon's supposed to the leak. So there goes that word that God tried to <laughs> implant into your soul. It didn't get planted. It's not a revelatory word to you. God didn't get to plant it in there because you chose not to meditate on it. You let it go. That's what Judas did. He didn't hold on to it. He let it go. And his part fell. He fell out of his part. God had to go find somebody else. Do you want him to go find somebody else for your job? Because there's a position. Or do you want to be the person? Yeah, thank you, Helfer. <laughs> Who receives the revelatory word. Notice she didn't say anything about my teaching a while ago. You go home. No, Johnny, I can't go to the movie with you. Sorry. I have to meditate. I have to study this word. You go home. You worship. You meditate on that word. You pray. You listen for what God is going to reveal to you about that word. You study those notes. So that word that you received gets planted in your soul, your mind. So that the time, next time that you feel that unction and you need to speak what God is telling you to speak. This works so much better at home. 
you're studying, you're worshiping. In your quiet time, you ask him to reveal more of that to you. So when you go out and you feel the unction and you open your mouth, what comes out? The word. The word is implanted. God implanted it in your soul. So it's there. When it comes out of your mouth, it's the double-edged sword because God planted it and you're speaking it out. So this is what you have to do to hold on, to do your part. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Y'all are silly. We must hold on to that word and allow God to change us. Allow God to change your thoughts with that word. We can't sit down and say one day, oh, I'm going to change and just change ourselves. Oh, I'm going to be a better person. No. When God comes in and plants that revelatory word, he is changing you. He is changing your thoughts. He is changing everything about you and you have to die When we hear the word, it comes into our soul and we must hold on to it and meditate on it and worship, allowing God to plant it so that we can be his witnesses. We must make God our everything. And when I say that, I don't mean, okay, God, I'm going to put you on a shelf and I'll be back later. I'm going out to work now and all the gossip and everything. We must make God our everything. Judas didn't make God his everything. We must make him our hope, our joy, our refuge, our guide. We must listen to him because he will speak to us and guide us through everything. We must make him our breath, our peace, our comforter. Even in our boredom, if you're bored to death, don't think of things to do, just worship. Whatever it is, focus on God. Your hiding place in times of trials. Your happy place, your desire, and your passion. You have to make Him your passion. He is always there to guide us, speak to us, hear us when we talk to Him, and answer all of our prayers. Don't let the world interfere because Satan will take it away. Let's look. um, No, we're not going to go. But all of Acts 2, all of Acts 2 talks about the Holy Spirit coming. How he will come like a wind. Well, let's look at Acts 2.17. Acts 2.17. And it shall come to pass in the last days, God declares that I will pour out of my spirit upon all mankind. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, telling forth of the divine counsels. And your young men shall see visions, divinely granted appearances. And your old men shall dream divinely suggested dreams. He will pour out his spirit. 
He will pour out His Spirit. On who? On all mankind. Not just some of us, but all of us. That doesn't mean He's just going to pour it out on Gene. He's not just going to pour it out on Zinni. He's not just going to pour it out on the ones who do better than others. No. It is for all mankind. Each and every one of us. And it discusses this in Joel and in Proverbs and in Ezekiel and 2 Timothy and in Acts. It tells us that the Holy Spirit is for all, not just a few. Who receives it? Those who want to, those who choose to. So we have talked so far about what is a body. We talked about how we are called, we're instructed, we're commanded. We are the chosen ones. And we have to wait for the Holy Spirit. We talked about how we have to be His witnesses, not just talk of things, but be His witnesses of what you have experienced and what the Holy Spirit will guide you to talk to others about. We must hold on to that word that comes. And then the Holy Spirit is for all of us. Let's look in Romans 12, 3 through 5. For by the grace, unmerited favor of God given to me, I warn everyone among you not to estimate and think of himself more highly than he ought, not to have an exaggerated opinion of his own importance, but to rate his ability with sober judgment, each according to the degree of faith apportioned by God to him. For as in one physical body, we have many parts, organs, and members, and all of these parts do not have the same function or use. So we, numerous as we are, are one body in Christ, the Messiah, and individually we are parts one of another, mutually dependent on one another. Does that not just sum up what I just have talked about? No one is better than another. Gene is not better than me. When I first started here, I was like, ooh, I never made that good. Ooh, mercy. <laughs> but that was my flesh talking. That was Satan talking to me. Gene is no better than me. God doesn't look down on this place and go, oh, Gene is amazing. But oh, that page girl, ooh, she got some changing to do. If we are one body, does that mean that part of your body is better than the other? If your arm or your leg or your head hurt, do you, do you do away with it? Oh, mercy, my arm is hurting. Golly, let me just cut that thing off and go about my life. I'll be better without it. No. If your arm is hurting, anything is hurting. Throat is hurting. Head, whatever is hurting, what do you do? You tend to it. You pray, God, what is this? Take this from me. Heal this. 
fix it, make it better. So isn't that what we should be doing for the members of the body of Christ? Yes, my arm is hurting. Okay, I'm going to pray for it. Well, you know what? We're a body here, a body of Christ. And if one of us is hurting or one of us is doing something that we know needs to change, do we need to be going, do away with you? No. We need to be praying for them, lifting them up to God, asking God to perform what he needs to perform in them to get them to where they need to be for our body because they are a part of us. God doesn't look down and think that, okay, Lee is better than Carrie. She is just such a better person. Did Jesus, when he was on this earth and they brought the adulterous woman to him, did he go, whoo, get her away from me. I am better than her. I will not associate. Let me tell you what she was doing over there, boys. No. Did he run around telling everybody what she was doing and talking about her? No. What about the people with diseases? Did he say, get away from me. You are unclean. No. He welcomed them. He wanted to help them. He touched them and healed them with his power that he transferred to them. So you have to accept everyone. Everyone in this ministry is a part of your body. Everyone in this world is a part of your body. God loves all of us and they're a part of you. He didn't exclude any disciples because of their weaknesses or their faults. The disciples that he chose, they were not perfect men, but he chose them anyway. He chose them. God told Jesus because Jesus did nothing that God didn't tell him to do. So God told him to pick those men. Were those men perfect? No, they had their faults, but they obeyed. They listened, they obeyed, and they did their part. Let's look at Ephesians 5.12. Ephesians 5.12 For it is a shame even to speak of or mention the things that such people practice in secret. So if you're running around talking about the members of your body, shame. You have to accept them all, where they are, for what they are. Let's look at 1 Peter 3, 8, 9, and 10. 1 Peter 3, 8, 9, and 10. Finally, all of you should be of one and the same mind, united in spirit, sympathizing with one another, loving each other as brethren of one household, compassionate and courteous, tender-hearted and humble, never return evil for evil or insult for insults, golding, tongue-lashing, berating, 
but on the contrary, blessing, praying for their welfare, happiness and protection, and truly pitying and loving them. For know that to this you have been called, that you may yourselves inherit a what? A blessing from God, that you may obtain a blessing as heirs, bringing welfare and happiness and protection. Ooh, that protection. I told on that last time. For let him who wants to enjoy life and see good days, good whether apparent or not, keep his tongue free from evil and his lips from guile. So do you want to go around talking about people? No. If you hear something, if you know something, start praying. Be of one mind, one spirit. Pray for them, love them. We all come from heaven where we were all one, worshiping our heavenly Father. We were all up there together, all of us as one, worshiping Him. So now you come to earth and you think, oh, well, you know, she just doesn't need to be a part of us. No, that's not what God would say. We are all here and we are all connected through the Holy Spirit. We are not here to function on our own and bear the works on our own like Jesus did when he was here. It was all on his shoulders. When he was here, he called the chosen ones to form a body and then he filled them with his Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that is in all of us. Can you imagine that? That Holy Spirit that came in like a wind to the disciples and took them over. That exact same Holy Spirit is in us. Isn't that awesome? Not each with a different Holy Spirit. When you get married, the two of you become one. And when you become one with a body in Christ, you are just that. You are one. Carrie and I are one. But I am also one with this body. One with the Holy Spirit leading all of us to the same goal. Just as our marriage, God leads us to the same place. He leads this church body God's body to a certain place together. To be his witness to the world. To bring kingdom to the world so that they can see his glory through us. Not just hear about it, but they see it. We demonstrate it. Let's look at Ephesians 5.33. However, 
Let each man of you, without exception, without exception, love his wife as being in a sense his very own self. And let the wife see that she respects and reverences her husband, that she notices him, regards him, honors him, prefers him, venerates and esteems him, and that she defers to him, praises him, and loves and admires him exceedingly. So when Carrie and I do this, what are you telling her to read that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Bazzini. There is so much that they have to do because they have to love us as Christ loved the church. So this is how we are to love our husbands. Praise him, love him, admire him. And for Carrie and I to be his witnesses on marriage, we have to do this. And we try very hard to do this. Do the trials come? Do the irritations come? Do we do it 24-7? No. But you know what's so wonderful about our marriage is that when the trials and the Satan steps in and tries to stop us from doing this, we recognize it and we stop it immediately. It might not be that first second, but then we both sit back and laugh and go, look what Satan tried to do. Why did we do that? Yes. After I snap my fingers and say, hey, 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 get it right. Come here. <laughs> exactly. Um, let's look at First Peter 3, 1 through 4. In like manner, you married women, be submissive to your own husbands. Be quiet, Zinni. Subordinate yourselves as being secondary to and dependent on them and adapt yourselves to them so that even if any do not obey the word of God, they may be won over not by your discussion, but by the godly lives of their wives. When they observe the pure and modest way in which you conduct yourselves by being what? His witnesses? together with your reverence for your husband, you are to feel for him all that reverences includes, to respect, divert, defer to, revere him, to honor, esteem, appreciate, prize, and in the human sense to adore him. That is to admire, praise, be devoted to, deeply love, and enjoy your husband's any. Let not yours be the merely. <laughs> yeah. Let me get to my point. 
Let not yours be the merely external adorning with elaborate interweaving and knotting of the hair, the wearing of jewelry or changing of clothes, which means don't put on a show, don't get all made up and dolled up. I heard a woman one time say, I can't understand these women who just don't wear makeup and put their hair in a ponytail and go. Don't they know they're going to lose their husband? And I thought to myself, is that all your husband's after? The way you look? No. So do not merely decorate and dress yourself up for him. That's not what it takes. But let it be the inward adorning and beauty of the hidden person of the heart and the incorruptible and unfading charm of a gentle and peaceful spirit, which is not anxious or wrought up, but is very precious in the sight of God. And when I read those two scriptures, Ephesians and 1 Peter, and I thought about mine and Carrie's relationship and how we have to go out and be his witnesses, and I think of what God brought into my life, I I just thought about the movie, The War Room, and that's exactly what you have to do. I heard a man one time say he got radically saved and became nothing but Jesus. He was a, had a horrible life, all drugs and everything before. And his wife kept telling him, you are a Jesus freak. What have you gotten into? This Jesus man's not doing anything for you. And instead of yeah, getting back in her face, he'd walk away, go to his room and get on his knees and pray for his wife. And he'd go back in there and she'd still be, He wouldn't say a word. He'd turn around and walk right back into the room and get on his knees again. And he continued and he continued until one day God did a mighty work in her. And she broke and she was so sorry for the things she had said and done. You can't change it. Pray for her. Only God can change it. No harsh words should be coming out of your mouth. Only all of these things that I just discussed. Thanking God for the work he's doing in each part. For his body. Your marriage is his body. You have become one. Just as you're one with his body. And when everybody's functioning and doing their part, we reach our full potential. The kingdom living. To show others the kingdom. When we are. Being his witnesses. Let's look at Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. In him I have shared his crucifixion. It is no longer I who live, but Christ the Messiah lives in me. And the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in, by adherence to and reliance on a complete trust in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I had to die. When Carrie and I first started coming to this ministry, our relationship was not all of that I just said. I was very 
very insecure because of my first marriage. I was very jealous, and I would, woo, I would fight with you in a heartbeat. You think you're going to tell me something? Uh-uh. But God worked, and he worked, and he worked, and he worked, and he, he changed my mind, and I, that part of me, had to die. I had to crucify it through him. All right, I have one more example, and Carrie, I need your help. Now, honey, you're not doing it fast enough. Come on. The white one. This, this is a fan. Can you get the cord over? And you can't see it from where you're sitting, and I, the cord's not going to come that far. But this fan is very dirty. It's got a bunch of dirt and dust all on the blades. And what else is on this fan? Unforgiveness. Holding on to those idols that you just don't want to let go of. Rejection and shame. This is the body that doesn't want to live like this. They don't want to let go. They don't want to be a part of the body. They don't want to let go of those things. They think, oh, okay, it's all right. You know, I'll, I'll just hold on to that. I'll be fine. I'll be okay. Nobody will know about that. I can still hold on to that. That's just a part of me. It's who I am. Well, watch what happens when Carrie turns on the fan. Well, I'll turn it on. With a body that has all of this in it. It's on high. Can you feel it? Is that what you want to be a part of? A body like that? It's not very powerful, is it? It's blowing. But is it getting anywhere? Is it cooling you off? No, it's functioning, but barely. So that is a body though, right? That's a body. Come on, babe. You can do it. But when you allow God in and you make those choices and decisions to and you get that word in your soul and you let God work on you and you get rid of the unforgiveness and you get rid of the shame and the rejection and those idols you're holding on to, once you start praying and asking God to take them away, to help you release it, He will. So this is a body that worships, meditates on the Word, goes to the mountain. They ask God, shine your light on that, God. Tell me what to do, God. They obey what He says. Now let's see what happens when the body's getting it all.
Uh-uh, don't mess up Jean's hair. Yes, I noticed the fan says king of fans. King, <laughs> king of fans. So these two fans are examples of us. Do you want to hang on to those things? You'll be okay. Or do you want to be part of a body that's getting it right, that God is using to go out to be his witness and be powerful. It's your choice. If you don't do your part, God will replace you just as he did Judas. So hold on to it. Hold on to it. Don't let go. Amen. That's pretty awesome for your first Saturday night, isn't it? I'm amazed, and she's got this. She's got the teacher thing going on because she has to use 735 verses, and she's going to expound now for an hour and 20 minutes. But hey, I love her pieces. She's my girl. I'm working on you, honey. Yes, she is. Every day, every day. You know, I'm, I want to add a couple things to this real, real, really quick. Todd, if you'll help me, go to Mark. Um, Mark three, thirteen. 15. You know, the thing she was asking is, what is your part? What is your part? What is your part? And I asked her on the way coming to town, I said, okay, tell me your message. Give me your message. She started telling me everything. <clears throat> it is incredibly important that we begin to get in our destiny and fulfill what your part is. Amen. You know, and the Lord started, get, the Lord gave this to me a couple of months ago as I was studying. And they went up on a hillside and they called to, give me the New King James Version, please, sir. That guy is awesome back there. And he went up on the mountain and called to him those he himself wanted. And they came to him and they, then he appointed 12. I love this word appointed because it translates in Greek that he made something of them. And how many times we come in here and all of a sudden, you know, I remember today, you know what you are? He's talking to me. You know what you are? Uh, well, uh, a man. <laughs> no, you're an evangelist. Okay. He's and he go, I can't do that. How many of us would do that? I can't do that. But he said he appointed them to make something of them. It's not you that's doing it. It's the Christ that's what? In you. All you have to do is back up and go, okay, I'm going to start stepping this out. I mean, the greatest day is when I decided to step towards what had been called out. That's the problem. We don't want to, we don't want to, we're too fearful. Get out of fear, body. Come on. Can't walk in fear anymore. So he said, he appointed 12 that they may be with him, that he may send them out to preach and have power to heal sickness and cast out demons. Man, he's waiting on us. It's not you that will do it. It's what she said. It's the Holy Spirit in us that will accomplish the work because the same power that raised Christ from the dead that got him out of the grave is sitting here waiting on you to implement it. Amen? 
Point blank. And you know what? I read something today and it just stirred and broke my heart because you know, if the body is not performing what the body is supposed to do, the body is going lacking. Here's a story. This pastor, he had 800 people in his congregation and he sat in a driveway and the pressures of that congregation and the pressures of being a nurturer and a pastor became too much for him to bear. And in the driveway, while they were waiting on him to come to preach Sunday morning, he reaches in the glove box of a, and takes a 38 caliber gun and he kills himself sitting in the driveway and one of the article one of the last things in the article that it said about the man it said sometimes pastors have a lonely place to be and they have nobody and because of the the culture that we're in competition with one another They don't have, they don't have that support. My God, we're not in competition with one another. We're on the same team. <clears throat> and in the, in our ministry, this fivefold ministry, oh, it hit me today, Gene, so powerful that our part of this body, we got to get these pastors. It's to the point that they're committing suicide. devil comes to what? Kill, steal, and destroy. He comes to oppress, depress, obsess, and then possess. You know how lonely and a dark place that that man had to go. And you know the write-up on him was he loved his people. Loved them. Loved children. They said he had an amazing ability with children. How does it get to that place? They're waiting on us. Pastors don't have the camaraderie. How oh, they got to have the apostle? Amen? So what's your part in the body? What is your part? Who are you? Remember I said last week, look in the mirror. Who am I? Ask yourself, who am I? What is my part? What am I supposed to be doing? Amen. Praise God. I'm so proud of my wife. She is awesome. I get to go home with her, Scott. <laughs> She's kind of hot. <laughs> Praise God. Look at the change. From when she first, he didn't want to come into the place after oh, the first night. Oh, y'all know the story. We get, we, get home, we get home in the driveway, and this was about after the first six months of being in the ministry. She goes, I can't do this anymore. I ain't going back. I ain't going back. I ask her, it's a true story, sitting in the driveway. And I said, Paige, do you love me? Yes, Carrie, I love you. I said, I can't explain. I don't know why I'm there. Don't make sense. I've uprooted everything I've left, but I just know that I know that I know God has called me and I have to be obedient. I said, will you trust me a little while longer? 
And I'm going to tell you something. Everything that she said a woman would be that night she became. Because she said, yes, I will. And from that point on, it wasn't too much longer. You couldn't run her out of here with a stick. You couldn't take a cattle prod and run her out of here. Because even our own son said, I don't want to go back to the old church. Because out of his mouth, out of the mouth of babes, he says, they can't teach me anything anymore. Out of the mouth of babes, they can't teach me anything anymore. Is that not awesome? Praise God. They're beautiful people. Come on, let's stand our feet. Father, we honor you and we give you glory tonight and we thank you. Lord, I get Lord, I ask tonight, Lord. I was going to dismiss, but God's not through yet, so just hang on. Go seek you, that's something.